You know how I feel about women entrepreneurs. I believe women can change the world. Heck, we are changing the world. But what would you think or say when I said that there's another woman out there that is on a mission to help one million, that's one million women, generate $1 million in revenue by the year 2025. My guest today has set out to do just that. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Keisha Mays, a successful entrepreneur, a visionary global business development strategist, a best-selling author, inspirational speaker, powerhouse producer, and so much more. Her primary focus is on helping to develop more successful, multi-million dollar global female-owned businesses through her company, Just Fearless. She always pays it forward by supporting nonprofits worldwide that specifically support and empower women and girls. I was incredibly grateful to Keisha for coming on the show and being so transparent, open, and vulnerable. We talk about really good things and really hard things in life and situations that women might find themselves in. There are a few things that we discuss in this episode that may not be appropriate for young ears, so I just wanted to give you a heads up, but I promise that you will be encouraged by all the incredible work that Keisha is doing. So now, on to my conversation with Keisha. Keisha, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Molly, for having me. I'm glad to be here. I have just, ever since I was introduced to you, I, you know, I've done the light to moderate internet stalking um, that I sometimes, <laughs> I call it. Okay. Uh, and I am just blown away um, by by the way you use your platform to impact um, so many women uh, and just the way your story is impacting literally thousands of people, um, if not millions. So um, I would love for you to give us the Keisha 101. So Tell us who you are and how you got started and what you do. And, you know, for those that, that aren't familiar with your work, tell us all about it. Okay. So, oh my God, where do I start? No, <laughs> I become, my company's called Just Fearless and Just Fearless uh, started as an international business development firm. My company's actually headquartered in Hong Kong with teams in Hong Kong, Dubai, and also in the U.S., um, and I started that as a way of wanting to work with women and helping them to empower, you know, and to build and to grow, you know, businesses, build wealth and and the, and the like. And it's just evolved over time to, you know, working not only just in business development, but branding and marketing and, you know, just a bunch of other entities like, you know, that are subsidiaries of my, of my main company. And I think what's interesting is that I, you know, typical story, you know, grew up in a single parent household, you know, in urban ghettos, if you will. And just really, I've known since I was in maybe high school that I wanted to work for myself. I never, I've never held jobs for very long or for very, the only, actually I take that back, the longest time I ever had was at Continental Airlines before they became united. And that's only because of the flight benefits. That was the saving grace for me. Had it not been for that, I'd probably been fired a long time ago. I was never good at taking <laughs> orders from people. So that was it. It was the flight benefits that kept me there. But 
Um, I just, I liked being my own boss. I liked calling the shots. I liked the freedom of time. I mean, I think, you know, people think about when you, when you start your own business, they, they, there's a saying that says you work 80 hours a week for yourself to avoid working 40 hours a week for somebody else. That's really how I feel. <laughs> like to make sure that I am not having to answer. And then I can also create impact. Like I can do things. I can create change. I can use the money that I've, you know, built and grown with my business to invest in other women-owned companies through my angel fund. I can use the money that I've built to, you know, invest in community and give back and do things that probably would not have been possible with just a regular, you know, salary, if you will. So I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying for me, I'm just like I can do more when I'm in control of how I make my money and, you know, where where it goes. And it's just been on a journey like a, a, at this point, 11 years, 11, almost 11, over 11 years at this point, we're in, in the making. And I am thankful for the opportunity that, you know, just to come from some, from nothing to something and be on a mission now to help 1 million women entrepreneurs generate a minimum of 1 million annual revenue by December 31st, 2025. Because I know we're in a, you know, and I'm not going political, I'm just saying in general, we are in a very chaotic time right now and just globally, domestically, nationally. And I think and some people were saying, you, you know, you should resist, you should resist. And I'm more like, no, I want to help women do something because I can see the impact that's going to come. If I help 1 million women make a million in, in revenue, that's a trillion dollars to the global economy. That will have far greater impact than any protest or anything I could ever do, you know, in, in what's going on. So in a nutshell, I think I just kind of just ran right through it, but I don't want to like talk your ear off too much. I'm going to give you a chance to speak. <laughs> it's your show. So I no, you, you are <laughs> amazing. Please talk away because there's just like, I was taking notes and I was like, I, I can't type fast enough. There's are so many amazing things. Um, okay. For, okay. There is a lot I want to unpack here. Um, but okay. I want to go back just a little bit because there is a part of your story that I know that, um, that is really going to connect with a lot of people. And I, and I love your honesty and transparency and sharing about like the challenges of growing up in a single parent household. And like you said, kind of just in like a, you know, in an urban community where there were a lot of messages given to you over the years where like you, I know in other, in other areas you've shared how like there were, there are those messages when you grow up, um, in a situation like that where you hear kind of a narrative over and over again of like, you're not going to make it. You're not going to, you're not going to be enough. Like you're, you're never going to amount to anything. Whereas we, Mm -hmm. we know that's not true. Um, But how, what would you say is the greatest um, maybe catalyst for you personally in your story in walking out a counter narrative to what you had been told for so many years? I think just uh, honestly a deep-seated belief in myself and then my grandmother. Um, my mother taught me to be independent, but she, you know, she was very like, you know, military, you know, worked multiple jobs, you know, went to school at night trying to get her degrees. I didn't, you know, you almost almost raised myself, but she taught me to be independent. My grandmother taught me what it meant to have your own money. You know, she was a, always had her own beauty salon, you know, always, you know, she took care of a lot of people. So but she always was in control of her life and her schedule. And that, that kind of impacted me um, indirectly and directly because it wasn't like she just, you know, set me down and just taught me this. It was just watching her. But if you ask me what stuck with me in terms of that scenario of somebody telling you you can't do it, I will tell you that when I was in high school and I grew up in Houston, 
and I went to Kerr High School, which is an A-Leaf ISD in Houston, Texas. And I graduated high school a year early. I did that because I wanted to get out, you know, from under my mother's thumb and I wanted to, you know, have freedom or whatever. I'm always about freedom, right? So I, I did that to <laughs> yeah. graduate early. And because at the time, Texas offered a $1,000 scholarship if you finished high school in 36 months or less. So I was just like, I can do this. I can go to summer school. I'm going to knock this out. And I did it. What was interesting to me, and this has stuck with me, even uh, Molly, with all the success I've had, the money I've made, this has stuck with me. I think you'll hear this from other people who are successful as well. I had a, a guidance counselor in high school. Her name was Charlotte Gutner. I never forget her name. And I, you know, if she's listening, I, whatever. But I never forgot the point that I was like, you know, a I would for a second, let me get an A student. You know, there's some class I struggled with, like algebra and chemistry, that just my mind was just like, you know. I'm good in math when it comes to economics, accounting, and finance. And when you throw in numbers and you know x plus y equals z, my mind just did not function. It would just would not it would not recognize it. So I struggled in those classes. And I remember like you know I graduated maybe at the three point four, three point five, which is a B average maybe, right? It's still a good average. And I remember her telling me that I did not have the grades or you know the ability to get into the University of Houston. Now mind you, we're not talking about Rice University. We're not talking about Stanford or any of those other Ivy League places, we're talking about just a public college, University of Houston. And I remember her telling and it stuck with me. And I was just like, I got a 3.5. I got great grades, great community service. You know, I don't see why. And because of that, I never applied to University of Houston. Now, it's always interesting to think, well, maybe my life had turned out differently had I not listened to her or not taken to heed with what was being put into me. I, I'm grateful for the path and the journey that I took because it really... It guided a lot of the things that I, that happened to me. I mean, I didn't finish college. I did go to um, UT in San Antonio, but I never finished. I dropped out. And, you know, it's you you look at those things and like that could stop people. That has stopped some kids in their footsteps where they might have been the next great thing in whatever industry. But you got some people who were in the education system, whether it's that system or even at home or with family, it could be either or or both. That could really impact. So when you talk about that, that stuck that stuck with me for years. And I'm 38. I turned 38 this year. Never forgot her. Never forgot that. And I'm like, I almost wish that there was some way to send a video to her. Like, I made the things you said I'd never do. I did it 10 times and a million times over. And I bet you, you're nowhere near where I'm at. It sounds petty, but it, it really does affect you. It does stick with you. And you always remember it. Oh, I could not agree more. I mean, I definitely have those educators and coaches who told me I weren't, you know, I wasn't good at something or I mean, I always remember. So <laughs> I played golf growing up, I realized mm-hmm. it's like the <laughs> like very, <laughs> very exciting things. But um, it's the sport that my parents like my dad was a golf teacher. So he was like, yeah. I'm going to teach you golf. And um, uh, so I played golf growing up. And um, but it's a obviously extremely male dominated sport. Um, there right. are not many women that play it. And I was just as good, if not better than a lot of the guys um, when I was in high school. And I did not make the varsity team my freshman or sophomore year of high school because my coach was like he was a sexist and he told me that he didn't want a girl on his team um and I let that really get to me for a while and let that Mm. narrative of like you're a girl you can't you can't hang with the guys kind of thing um get to me and I remember like just wanting to prove myself over and over again but then I had um an English teacher Um, who I had for both 10th grade and 12th grade, who was like the first person, like really adult in uh, school who who did believe in me and and 
told me that I was a good writer and all these things and finally like was beginning to speak some truth into my life so like Mm -hmm. I I completely understand what you're what you're saying when um when those words like words matter and they stick with you and it's such a reminder to like now that I have young kids and um I'm only a couple years younger than you um but you know in adulthood, like I think about the kids that I interact with on a daily basis, even if it's not my own, um, but kids I interact with maybe at church or um, friends' children, um, just kids in the community. I always make sure to just put affirming words in their lives because you never know if that's the only place they're hearing it. That part, that part, Molly, like that to me, just kind of like. Luckily, I had other influences, you know, whether it's other teachers or, you know, like my grandmother, a big influence. And like, you know, you can do anything you want to do. Like you are capable, you're resourceful. Had I not heard that, I, I mean, I said because of her, I didn't apply to University of Houston. Yeah. Because of her, there are things I didn't do. But it's like, you know, there, my life didn't turn out too bad. But there are other people who believed in me. And then more importantly, I believed in myself, even when others didn't. And that's the big, big thing for me that there are going to be times where, you know, maybe it's not just an educator. Maybe it's also family. I've had friends who encountered relatives who, you know, doubted them. And I, you know, my mother was big on, you know, getting a degree and getting that, you know, paper behind your name. And it's like, I, that wasn't my path. I knew that at a young age, I'm not supposed to go to college and just get a job like that. I just knew, but at the same time, you're dealing with her telling you to go to college, get a degree. You don't really want to. At that time, they didn't have the entrepreneurship programs they have now. So it was just like you're going to school to get a business administration degree. I don't want a regular job. What college prepares you for is a career or a job and teaches you theory about that, not actual world life practice. I knew I wanted to own a business, just didn't know how it was going to come to pass. But as you said, I mean, it's just it's planting seeds in people like I this is the part of why I do what I do why I want to work with women I know the impact it will have not just on these women and these young girls but as they become mothers and grandmothers it changes generations it will change communities families cities countries I see the bigger picture Absolutely. And I love that you talk about the impact that your grandmother had on you because that, um, you know, I, I really, I I didn't really grow up with a relationship with any of my grandparents. I mean, some of my grandparents had passed on and, Mm -hmm. um, some of my grandparents, I just didn't have a relationship with. And so I, even, even in my thirties now, I like, I long for a relationship with, you know, a woman of a seasoned woman let's just put it that way you know Um, my mom is not living anymore and so like I I think about the fact that like in every season of life whether you're a young young child whether you're a teenager you're a young adult into adulthood you know and even um even as you get more seasoned in life like we all need those people who are just a step ahead of us a generation ahead of us um to speak life into us and to be able to mentor us and uh, guide us because, man, that is like, you know, I I don't know your faith background, um, but Mm -hmm. like as a Christian, like I just know that like God created us to be in community and we're not meant to do life alone. Um, and, And I believe he strategically puts people in our path to to guide us and to impact us. And so sometimes like I forget, though, along the way that maybe I'm that person for somebody else. And so Mm -hmm. I love the way that you have taken your story. um, And I love what you said earlier where you said, like, you you realize that, like, 
through your business, you can create impact, you can create change, you can use money to invest in other women owned companies and businesses. Um, exactly. That is so powerful. Um, at what point, you know, so you, you, you dropped out of college, what was your first steps after dropping out of college in, in creating, like, wh- what was sort of the path you took from dropping out of college to, to launching your business? Okay, so that was um, a few years of working, you know, odd jobs here and there. And then eventually I got on with Continental Airlines and I ended up moving. Um, I started in Houston at Bush Airport in Houston with them and I transferred to Newark Airport. And so I ended up moving to New York City, um, not having any family or friends there. I was in my early 20s, maybe 21, 22. I knew no one and I had never been to New York before. And I just remember moving there because I wanted to, they had that saying, you could make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And I'd been wanting to come to New York, you know, just that something was drawing me there. So I would just, you know, these odd end jobs that made it continental. I got trained. It was the first opportunity I could once I got off probation because, you know, every most airlines have like a six month probation period. Once I got off, I immediately put in a transfer to Newark Airport. I got it. And then I got to Newark Airport. Mind you, at that time, you know, this is like maybe uh, early 2000, 2002, something. It's early 2000s, right? So at that time, I am making $11 an hour working in, at the admin office and cargo in the cargo building from the Continental Airlines in Newark Airport. I am. I realized when I moved there, I, you know, I could not afford an apartment on my own because it's very different as compared to the down south. Because there, you got to have first month, you know, last month's rent, for, you know, all that stuff. And I'm like, there's no way I have that. I only live dollars an hour. So I ended up learning how to to rent a room, uh, going into New York on the weekends and my time off. Or when I wasn't traveling on my days off. I love to travel. So I would take off on my days off and just travel to new cities, new countries, and come back before I had to be at work. And so I would put myself out there because I'm actually quite introverted. So I have to step out of my comfort zone to meet new people, experience new things so that I, I knew that if I could get into New York, I could get into some sort of network. And at that time, I thought that I wanted to be in the music industry as a songwriter. So I was, you know, working my way in, trying to get an internship at a label or something like that and just trying to network, basically. So what it did is it forced you out of a comfort zone. Where Houston with that comfort zone, New York was like this whole new era of, a complete stranger in a city of millions of people. And it was my training ground. Like it was, I went through some of my roughest times in life and some of my best times in life in New York city. And that kind of like started the very first process of me building my first company, which was not just for a different company that I started and just building a starting that first company, you know, working to help hold events where I was fundraising for different um, charities at the same time. So I, you know, get my name out there and build partnerships and, that was like that first, you know, first couple of links into like, okay, I'm getting my my feet wet. And now we're talking 2000, 2006, 2007, where I'm like getting my feet wet, doing different events and meeting people and connecting, traveling. And it kind of it started from there. And then it just, from that point forward, it's like, I cannot work for anybody else. But I just, I don't like having to ask permission to go out to, you know, to do things. I like to take off and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to go here and do this. Or I'm, I want to do this event for this charity and so forth. So I, I hope that answers it. But it started like that. And then once I got into New York, that was it. It just took off from there. I'm taking a quick break from my chat with Keisha to share with you something I am so excited about. And that is the launch of the fall collection with Seiko Designs. This collection is literally incredible. 
If you are not familiar with Seiko, Seiko Designs is a socially conscious fashion brand that is working to empower women and girls in Uganda and around the globe. This fall collection is so beautiful. You will be inspired by the richness of the season's colors like pebbled amore and oiled olive. Let the fall collection not only be a celebration of travel, but also a celebration of the journey within. My favorite pieces are the multi-way shawl in Leo, the How It's Made Matters tee, and the caftan in Chianti. These pieces are going to be on repeat this entire season for me. Oh, and not to mention the multi-way tunic sweater in black that can be literally worn five different ways. You know that versatility is my love language. Now, to shop this incredible fall collection, go to SeikoDesigns.com slash Molly Stillman. That's S-S-E-K-O Designs.com slash Molly Stillman. Now, back to my chat with Keisha. So I, I really am curious, at what point along the way, was it a light bulb moment or was it just kind of a gradual shift in your thinking or, or maybe like a realization when you really started to think about the impact you wanted to have on other people? Specifically, I love that you've really kind of like funneled in on other women entrepreneurs. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I love, I want to like talk, I want you to just really talk about this mission of impacting, mm-hmm. this is incredible, 1 million women to generate $1 million in revenue by 2025. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like at what point did you realize like the impact that you could have? And then when did you really realize that this was the goal that you wanted to set out for yourself? Like go big or go home? <laughs> Yes. So I, this goes back to New York and I actually wrote about it in a book that I have called from failure to fearless. And I, when I was in New York, um, once I you know, left continental, I'd been there almost four years and I got fired. So once I got fired, it was just like, okay, well, there's no going back to that. What do I do now? And I'm in New York and I'm, you know, again, networking, meeting people, going to different events and I'm just seeing different things that I had not experienced. And, you know, this is daytime. So, I, you know, I still got to pay bills, still got to, you know, got to, got to eat. Right. So I was working at a body rub space and I don't know if you know what body rub is, but it was a thing in New York where I was a phone girl. So basically I was the person I had a really good, really great phone voice. And so I was the person that would book appointments for these girls and they would, you know, do body rubs, not, not, not sex, but actual just body rubs, you know, with them. I don't know how I can say that, but I don't know. And this is like a, a PG-13 podcast, because <laughs> I want to say I, it's a, a happy ending that was done by hand. And that was it. Right. So I'll leave it at that. And, you know, I this I'm going somewhere with this. Trust me. So working here with these ladies and just seeing this other walk of life, like I, that was my nighttime, you know, thing and then daytime I'm doing internships I'm doing you know events and volunteering where I can trying to network so I had the daytime persona very corporate very business and the nighttime persona I'm around these girls who you know come from all walks of life you know some of them I got to learn some of their stories you know what what got them into that field into that industry at that time that's when Craigslist had the adult pages and back page um, was, was up and running before they shut it down. And it was just these girls, you know, they come from every, you, you hear the stories, you see the thing they went through and you're like, you know, it's hard to tell a girl who's, you know, been through so much in life and now she finds something where she's making a thousand dollars a night or, you know, whatever, and maybe a thousand dollars a week depending on how often they work. And then, you know, 
this is what feeds them. This is what feeds their family or if they have kids and, you know, if they got a drug addiction, it feeds that too. And just seeing that. And so being around these girls, like, you know, what if I could do something? Even the lady, the lady that I worked for who ran the business and you know, she had like three, three apartments in New York that she operated from. And, you know, she made some mistakes along the way, but I learned from her running her business, what to do and what not to do, even though hers was illegal. Still, it was a, 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 a very, visible lesson for me. And then doing that and then doing the events that I started doing to, you know, build partnerships in New York showed me that, you know, there are a lot of women who can do great things, but may not know what resources are available to them or how to do it. They might have an idea or a a vision for something. They just don't know how to bring it to pass or how to maneuver. And it's like, I can do something about that. And again, it was just for me. And it's like, all right, so I'm going to go with it. I'm going to start doing events. I'm going to start doing empowerment events for women. I started that first one in 2007. That went well. I partnered with Dress for Success for, for credibility. Um, and then I had like, you know, Vanessa Williams, she's on that show. Ugly Betty was really popular at that time. Her whole cast came out. Like it was a really amazing event. 2008, you know, did another amazing event. Um, phenomenal success. And just, it was really amazing. 2009, again, as I'm doing this, my mindset is I just really want to work with women. I want to help them grow and build based on my experiences in New York that I'd had, you know, since I've been working at Continental and even after I got fired, working with these girls in the nightlife and seeing what they go through, what they do just to make and make their money and you know, do what they have to do. So I have a whole appreciation for girls who are, whether they're strippers, whether they are porn stars, I've met them all and I have encountered them all. And doing these events was just like, I want to help them, but I, I do something that can show them better than I can tell them. Right. And so I, you know, doing the events and then 2009, I decided I want to do a conference. And again, as I'm building, I'm building, I'm building just the vision of seeing what people are going through and then having ideas of how I could change it and just having to take steps. Like, you know, I, again, I, I wasn't taught this in terms of how to do this. It was just me just like, Jumping out there and putting myself out there. If I fall, I, I fall, I fall big. And I did in 2009. One of my biggest failures to date, so not even one of the biggest ones I'd ever encountered publicly, where I put together. They say you should, you know, crawl be, uh, before you walk. I decided to like go from crawling into start running and totally skip the whole walking process. And I had planned this three day conference. I went too big, too fast. Three day conference at this really nice hotel that just opened. I had, um, did booked Susie Orman and Jillian Michaels. Jillian Michaels is on Biggest Loser at the time, which was really popular then. You know, Susie Orman, you know, actually had her show. She endorsed by Oprah. You, both of them, huge. I had booked them both for a conference and just, they were promoting my event for me, even before they got fully paid, right? And I ended up having to cancel three days before the conference would get to start. And it was bad, Molly. It was so bad. Why did I have to cancel? There were things that were beyond my control and things that were in my control that did not go right. Beyond my control, I learned the importance of getting contracts, not just taking somebody's word for it via email or, you know, saying they're going to do something and they didn't do it. And that means um, people that are supposed to sponsor and didn't come through and just really just happened to learn what it meant to take full responsibility for something. And in that moment, it showed me that you know, it, it, it gave me a, a testimony, if you will, a testimony of what could happen when you fail big, when you got some of the biggest celebrities on earth calling you out on social media because they put like, you know, was it a scam? Was she just, you know, was she not for real? It hurt and it hurt bad. I, I almost went bankrupt behind it. Um, it showed me who was really in my corner and who wasn't. It showed me 
that okay, you can you can you've hit rock you've hit rock bottom in this essence in this instance, but you can get back up and build again. And I managed to redo it that same event on a much smaller scale, 2009 in November, with Wendy Williams, Elizabeth Hasselback, and local speakers on a half day event local. And then you know 2010. Expand beyond that, and, and whole, long story short, just to kind of give you an idea, that whole journey, like 2007, like 2011, we went international to Sydney, Australia. That whole journey, those few years, was like I was seeing the impact, not just getting the, the money for the charities that I was working with, but just talking to women, encountering them, and just hearing them say, you know, thank you, like for doing this, because it showed me a way to make money. It showed me a way to, you know to do something I've always dreamed of. And so as I'm going, I'm building my business and evolving into other things beyond events and conferences, I'm like, how can I do this? How can I scale this? Like as I'm building, how can I scale this? You know, I scaled my company, took it to other countries. And then this vision of 1 million women was like started around 2016, around the, our election period in the U.S. And it was, you know, it was quite chaotic and it was a lot of drama. And I was like, I don't want to be in that space of anger and resistance. Like, I don't operate well like that. So I like, how can I change this so that in the, our future generations don't have to endure what we're enduring right now? And that's where that kind of like that underlying thing came from of one million women, one million dollars in revenue. So if I can get one million, one million women to that, I can change the world. I can impact the world. Not just not just talking about politics, but just in supporting charities, supporting women-owned companies that actually go beyond being solopreneurs to really just building something phenomenal. So it started in 2016, but it really started in 2007 and just took me to 2016 to get the actual vision and dream of how to manifest it, how to make it happen. I love your vision for yeah. There's just obviously so much there. Um, yes, but I. Um, I'm sorry. Oh no, 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 no. You do not need to apologize at all. Um, but you know, I, I. This is one of those topics that I have. Um, I also am extremely passionate about of, of talking about the importance of investing in women um, and, yes. and creating jobs. And I love one of the things you said, like way back at the beginning, is that like you realize that investing in women and and investing in women-owned businesses is going to have a greater impact in the long term than any protest or any like rant on social media. Like you're actually doing something. And, um, you know, I've seen this statistic and this is something I talk a lot about on this podcast, especially since a lot of the guests that I interview, um, you know, might be working with artisan groups or groups in developing nations and things like this. And we talk all the time about the importance of providing a woman in a developing nation a job and how Mm -hmm. job creation is really the key to eliminating global poverty, not not just charity that charity is mm-hmm. fine that you know obviously I don't think charity is bad in any way shape or form but um charity can, it can be crippling it can be crippling it can be harmful mm-hmm. when it's not done strategically it's not done um right and mm-hmm. but but creating a job is something that creates lasting sustainable opportunity and impacting communities and it's not just in developing nations it's here in the united states as well because there are so many impoverished areas in our country of Mm -hmm. of people um 
that are both, um, you know, maybe have um, immigrated to this country or native born Americans who are struggling to make ends meet. They're struggling to feed their families. I mean, right here, I live in Durham, North Carolina, and there are there are so many families who are at risk for for going hungry right here in my own backyard. Um, yes. And so many families that are struggling to pay their rent and, um, you know, a- need access to um, affordable housing and all those kinds of things. Um, but but by creating an opportunity for people to be able to walk out a counter narrative than what society yes. is telling them and what society is telling them that they're never going to amount to anything or that maybe they're there are those people in their lives that are speaking negativity over them. Um, yes. And, but by providing an opportunity for that person to walk out a counter narrative through the creation of a business or creation of a job or, or creating an opportunity for somebody to pr- pursue a dream. Because a lot of times the only thing that might stand between um, a woman pursuing her dream or not is maybe just resources or, you know, yes. access. That's it. Yes, 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 yes. And so that really does create so much change and so much impact. Um, and I love that you've set your goal big and high. And because I, I just, I believe that when you set those goals for yourself and you set those goals big and high, that nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. Um, but you, <laughs> you know, the only thing between you and that goal is you, um, and, and the belief, um, and, and the work and that I know you're going to, going to put into it. Um, so what, you know, kind of in this next, you know, look, what year is it? Oh my gosh. What year is it? 2019. <laughs> so in the yeah. next six years, like what are some of the steps that you're taking to, to really make this goal happen? Well, the first part was the angel fund. So we started with yeah. that. We've been investing in the different uh, women-owned companies in different industries, not just technology, but like cannabis, cryptocurrency, things of that nature. And just go, looking at where we're headed. So I'm looking at artificial intelligence, the internet of things. I'm looking at where we're headed, and that's what I want to invest in to help those companies grow from, from seed stage and beyond. And then the second part would be a platform that I launched at, you know, um, for Women's, His- Women's History Month. It's called Her Story Connections. And it's like the first platform for all things women-owned in business, creative, and in literary. So, you know, it's kind of, you've got people that are authors, editors, publishers, chefs, dancers, uh, producers, directors, business owners of products and services, the, the whole gamut, but all women-owned exclusively. And that platform is a way to help not only promote their their companies, but to help them have the tools and resources to grow their business, you know, be able to have, you know, webinars, courses, classes, everything that's needed right there within that community to help them grow for Her Story Connections with the Angel Fund. And then the third part would be like events. We still do events. And so we do events in different parts of the world and, and just really bringing people together, bringing experts together, you know, to help again, all about women owned businesses. Everything is at the bottom line is three tiers. And then not to mention my, my main company, it does business development in, in different countries. So working with other companies to help them to expand into new international markets and build new revenue. It's like, you know, these different tiers are what's going to help us achieve that goal. And so now it's just like, okay, well, you got the, the programming in place. You got the tiers in place. Now we got to get the word out. So Interviews like this, doing with your show, Molly, and just being able to connect with other, you know, uh, media outlets like yours and just 
getting the word out, hey, we're here and we really want to help and we want to reach, you know, there's 11 million women entrepreneurs here in the U.S. alone. That's just in the U.S., not counting the entire world. So we can we can touch people. We just have to get it out there. Absolutely. I can't wait to see how your business continues to grow and the angel fund continues to grow. And I cannot wait to see the fruit of the labor that I know you are putting into this and the investment in so many women, um, both here and abroad, um, over the next goodness, six years. Yeah. I don't know how long, I don't know what day is it? What year is it? Half the time? I don't even know. Uh, I took my, complete off topic but like, I took my son to the his, like his you know checkup this morning at the doctor and uh she was like what's his birth date and I was like uh <laughs> <laughs> literally, I literally had to think about it I was like what year is it I have no idea um so it's fine um my my brain is is functioning at a normal level that's uh, when you know you're busy you're super busy you're just like uh I gave birth I know I give me a minute I know yeah, it's gonna me, come to me yeah I'm like uh he looks like me I promise he's mine can't remember his birthday right now though <laughs> Yeah, I get it. Oh, goodness gracious. Keisha, this has been absolutely incredible. Um, But before we go, I want to transition just a little bit to Mm -hmm. um, my favorite portion of the show. uh, And it's the listener's favorite portion of the show as well. And that is um, where we transition to the get to know you round and just ask some fun, lighthearted questions. Um, So Keisha, with that being said, are you ready? I am ready. Let's do it. All right. Uh, what was your favorite TV show to watch growing up? Oh, my God. Favorite. Oh, my. Oh, just one? There were so many. Oh, <laughs> my God. There, um, there was, let's see. Oh, my God. Knight Rider. You remember Knight Rider? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. I love that car. I was like, I want a car like that so badly. I used to love Knight Rider. I loved, um, uh, a different world Cosby show I love Martin Yes. (laughs) oh my gosh I watched Martin all the time Martin Martin yeah it's a very creative opening song (laughs) exactly exactly and then the one other show that I love and you know may he rest in peace was Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with Robin Leach my Lifestyles (laughs) of the Rich and famous was it champagne champagne champagne, champagne yeah. wishes caviar dreams and I was just like yes ah oh, that's good stuff I love it I love it okay um what cheesy song do you have totally memorized oh oh my god cheesy song oh my um we're like baby got Baby got back, yeah. and I just—it it started ringing in my head as soon as you said it. Yeah. Anaconda don't, don't want none unless you got buns, huh? You can do sad like, benzo sit-ups, but please yes, don't lose that. I was like, I'm embarrassed. I know it, and I do. No, everybody does, and I kind of think about oh. the fact that, like, I think I memorized the words to that song when I was like 12. I'm like, I don't think this is okay that I know the, the words. Exactly. Yes, that was me too. Like, I'm a kid. I know a word for word. Like, I guess. Oh, that's good stuff. Oh man, that's funny. Okay. Uh, are you reading any books right now? Like, are, or have you read any this year that have just been really great? Um, I just love to know what, what kind of is on people's reading list at the time. Okay. So I tend to read a more of like the self-help and business books. Those are like my genres. Yeah. And so I've been reading a lot of Jen Sincero's books. She's got, you know, how oh. to be a, um, a badass with money and 
I've, I'm reading her book currently. And then another book that I'm reading, let's see here. I read, try to read one new book a week and I have the Kindle app on my phone, but it can go to iBooks. Maybe it'll let me see it. Come on. Now when it loads slowly, that kills me. Oh, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see here. Yeah. So that definitely reading her books and then like different things like by Neville Goddard and different things about just the mindset of yeah. anything that, that inspires me, you know, the, the reading books on, you know, how to influence people and then win them over and just anything that's empowering, inspiring. Like I, I know it sounds cheesy, the science no. of getting rich by um, Wallace and just those type of books. And they've been around forever. Your word is your wand by Florence um, mm. Scoffelshin. I love all of her books. Um, and I've read them multiple times, but I always something new from it when I read it again. The Science of Getting Rich. I meant Wallace, uh, what's his name? Wallace Waddles. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. But um, TNT, It Rocks the Earth by Claude um, Bristol was written yeah. in 1932. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a ton of books all around mindset, all around building businesses. Um, Zig Zagler, Jim Rohn, uh, just tons of those books or that I may have read a million times, I still read them. People recommend books to me. It, always business self or self-improvement, something that helps me to, to grow is my preference. No, I love that. I, I, I also tend to go the nonfiction route. I don't yes. read a ton of fiction. Um, I mean, I, there, I do love some fiction, but in, in general, I'd say 95% of the books I read are nonfiction. So you are not alone at all. <laughs> that was me too. And I, I will give you a little, two little fun facts. Like as far as fiction books, when I was a kid, my favorite probably fiction series was the babysitter's club. Oh yeah. That was me as a kid. And then I love little house on the prairie. Yes! Books by Laura Ingalls Wilder. I love all of her books. Yes, I still read them as too. adults. I still read them. Yes. And the show. I totally watched yes. the show too as a kid. <laughs> I couldn't get into the show. I tried, but I couldn't. But the books were just like, yeah. I know them by heart. And I would imagine myself, you know, in reality, I can never live that life. I'm like, I'm too much of a city girl for that. But I just love the, mm-hmm. her story. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I love that. Okay. Um, and then this is the last question. And this is a question I've started asking all of my guests. And mm-hmm. it's really been fun to hear the different um answers from different different people's perspectives and so that question is what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose what does it mean to me to run a business with purpose that is a very good question it gives what does it mean to me for purpose it's the drive it's what moves me it's what the purpose of inspiring and empowering women to to take control of their lives by owning their business, creating jobs, it moves me. Like it, it, it's the, it's the, the beginning goal and the end goal all in all. And if, if, if I did not have that purpose of, you know, why my, why I'm doing this, I don't think that I could have endured all that I've, and I, we, we didn't even touch on the things that I've encountered. I, I could not have endured since, childhood till now without having that why of like I want to work with women I'm called to do that I have been blessed to do that for years in different capacities and it's only going to grow from now so it's it it's the the anchoring point if you will yes I love that perspective and I love the anchoring point oh that's so good <laughs> that is so good uh Keisha this is this has just been such a rich um conversation and I'm so grateful for um, you just sharing 
a little bit of your story with us. And um, I am even more grateful for the vision that you have to impact a million women um, to generate a million dollars in revenue by 2025. That is going to change. That that's that's the kind of thing that changes the world. Um, yes. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, and I can't wait to see you just blow that goal out of the water. Thank you so much, Molly, for having me. Just allow me to just talk your ear off. Oh. I, swear, I, I was <laughs> talking like crazy, but I thank you for that opportunity. I'd love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Also, don't forget to check out and shop the Seiko Designs Fall Collection at SeikoDesigns.com slash Molly Stillman. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button to help make sure you never miss a new episode of the pod. And while you're there, take a moment to leave a review. Leaving a review really just helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. This show is edited by my incredible husband and executive producer, John Stillman, with support from Kelly Dalton, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something with purpose on purpose. Purpose.